0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One.
1: Hello, America. Welcome. Um, It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be a part of the program. We got to get out of the gate to the big news of the day. It wasn't going to be this, but suddenly it is this. Here is Jason Furman, Harvard economist on CNBC a short time ago. I think the markets are just ridiculously complacent about the inflation situation right now. Um, I look at tips. I look at swaps. They have break-evens of inflation of around 2%. I just don't see that. I don't see how we have inflation much below 3% um, this year. I don't see it coming down uh, below that without a decent-sized recession. And nothing in this numbers gives me comfort. If you haven't heard, inflation was higher than expected, up two-tenths of a percent. Um, it's, it's still above 6% uh, annualized. The Dow is now down 317 points. The NASDAQ is down just about 70 points. S&P 500 down 29. New York Composite down 117. Uh, all major stocks out there, tech and otherwise, are down. Uh, they The stock market was expecting... Good news, they were expecting a decline in inflation, and that decline has not happened. Not only has it not happened, but we got an increase that was not expected. Now, for perspective, uh, year-over-year increase, groceries are up 11.3%. Eating out is up 8.2%. Natural gas costs up 26.7%. Electricity costs up 11.9%. Rent is up 8.6%. airfares up 25.6%. Vehicle insurance up 14.7%. Pet services up 8.4%. Not only that, if you want an overall perspective, egg prices. The incredible edible egg cost is up 70% from this time last year. Now, Joe Biden is out putting the best spin on this he can, saying that wages are up. Uh, that that's the good news. Wages are up. The problem is that inflation exceeds wages, so you actually have less take-home pay when you count uh, it, it, when you account for increased costs. This is not a good thing. This is actually a very bad thing. Uh, the Federal Reserve thought it could cautiously handle more interest rate increases. In fact, so the markets when the Fed made its last increase. Even though Jerome Powell said they're still planning on increasing in the future, the markets said, probably not. The markets did not believe the Federal Reserve chairman when the Federal Reserve chairman said they're going to continue to raise rates. The markets actually thought the man wasn't telling the truth, and they rallied. They had an inexplicable rally. In fact, the the market is... the markets have inexplicably been thinking we're going to have this giant boom. The markets were going gangbusters. People were expecting a roaring stock market, and that may all stop now. We've clearly headed into a bear market, and it may continue now to be a bear market because nobody saw this data coming. No one expected it to be as high as it was. The estimates were that there would be a downward turn, the, in the CPI. And that's just not the case. Inflation again, rose 5 tenths of a percent in January, more than expected and up 6.4% from a year ago. This is not where they expected to be. When you take out food, energy, and shelter, it's still up 2 tenths of a percent. That's bad. We continue to get surprising economic news in the country, and that surprising economic news is going to not just hurt the stock market, but people's retirement portfolios. And more and more, it does appear the Federal Reserve will continue to raise rates and will provoke a recession. And that will hurt Joe Biden headed into a re-election because presidents get blamed during economic slowdowns. That's just the reality of it. That's just the truth of the matter. It's going to be a problem for Biden. And when Joe Biden, the president of the United States, comes out and tries to tell everyone, hey, don't worry, wages have gone up. Yes, Mr. President, wages went up because employers are having to offset inflation, and it's still not enough. If inflation is up 6% and wages are up 5%, you've still got a 1% decline in your spending power and people are starting to feel it. I mean, again, eggs are up 70%. For a lot of reasons, egg prices are up. Now, I cook a lot. I bake a lot. I can tell you egg prices are up. We're, we're back to generic grocery store white eggs. I mean, I'm not one of those people who believes that the brown eggs are different from white eggs, but uh, we, we have gotten the, the cage-free. The the yolks are a little bit um, darker, orangier, as opposed to the, the, the generic white mass-produced eggs. And kind of like them, but uh, we are back to cheap eggs in our house. I'm not going to go out and get chickens, mind you. I know people who they they get chickens and they, they got chickens. We don't need to get into the chicken feed conspiracy theories here. But egg prices have dramatically affected the cost of so many other foods. Think about all the stuff that eggs are in. All the baked goods that eggs are in. So many things. And those prices go up because the egg prices go up but because energy prices have gone up, gas prices have gone up, transport costs for cattle have gone up, so beef costs have gone back up. We thought these things were settling down. They assured us things were settling down. In fact, Jerome Powell had noted in the last month that there were deflationary pressures, including energy costs, coming down. And now not so much. Everything is going back up. Uh, This is another list. Uh, This is the Unusual Whales Twitter account. Fuel oil up 27.7%, gas utilities up 26.7%, transportation costs up 14.6%, electricity costs up 11.9%, food at home costs up 11.3%, food away from home costs up 8.2%, shelter costs 7.9%, overall CPI, consumer price index up 6.4%, new car prices up 5.8%, gasoline up 1.5%, the only silver lining in all of this is the used car market has collapsed down 11.6% and eggs up 70%. Used car prices have gone down. That market is returning to normal, which is good. And you know, if we're really honest about this, what we're seeing in the market is a return to normal. I, for the longest time, was freaking out about this. I, I was g- deeply concerned about where we were headed. It was. I was concerned. I still kind of am if I'm honest about it. But I was talking to real experts in the field, like uh, economists, a, a, um, someone who manages several billion dollars in equities, um, uh, someone who is on the Federal Reserve, a, a major CEO of a corporation. I'm talking to these people. And what they all tell me, it's kind of interesting how they all in separate conversations say the same thing. We shouldn't be freaked out about this because this is a return to normal. Inflation is the abnormality. Inflation is the problem. But interest rates going above 4% is actually a good thing to them. Yes, it inflates our costs to get mortgages It inflates our credit card costs It inflates our debt costs, things like that. But actually, uh, the markets need interest rates. Uh, Retirees need higher interest rates. Uh, We need higher interest rates because that's the norm. And the economy is premised not around super cheap debt, but around normal times. And normal times are 4% interest rates. The anomaly has been the last few years of virtually zero interest rates. So this returns us to normal now. In these normal times, some major tech companies and innovators cannot thrive out there. It's very easy for an Uber Eats or a Lyft or an Uber or an Instant Cart to make money Well, they're not really making money, but to have debt so cheap that they can make investments and get money back so they're not losing money so that they can offer you an Uber or a Lyft or an Uber Eats delivery or DoorDash delivery or an Instant Cart shopping experience that's relatively cheap. They don't have to worry about it, but with interest Interest rates back at normal rates, 4 or 5%, suddenly their cost of doing business like that goes up and so your Uber ride has to become expensive. Your Uber ride, in other words, has to become what it would have been in the market other than 0% interest rates. So some prices have to come up with interest rates, but those prices coming up and companies going out of business because of normal interest rates have a real world impact and in having the real world impact, it forces tech companies, it forces businesses and it forces us to live in the reality that existed until the 2015, 2016, it forces us to live in reality where interest rates are a thing it forces us to live in a reality where normal economic rules apply. Normal economic rules seemingly did not apply for a number of years when there really was no cost to debt. And that's a bad thing because when there's no cost to debt, it's easier to get into debt. It's easy enough to get into debt with interest rates but it's even easier to get into debt without them. And then once the interest rates come back, the world goes back to normal, the economy begins to heal, the people who are into debt, well, then they cause a cascading effect where the economy can't heal. So yes, this probably pushes us into a recession, and yes, it is a bad thing. But also, yes, it returns us to a normal market setup, and that for the long-term is actually a good thing, even as we have to go through instability. All these experts I talked to, financial geniuses, way smarter than me when it comes to this stuff, said, will there be some heartache? Yeah. Will there be some pain? Yeah. Will there be a recession? Probably. But long-term, it puts us on a better economic footing to have interest rates back to where markets can work and people on fixed incomes can make some money as well when they're living on interest rates for, for a number of years they haven't had them. All that being said, though, inflation remains a big problem. And everyone sees inflation as a problem. And there's another problem tied to inflation. As inflation goes up, interest rates do go up. And as interest rates do go up, the service payments on the national debt go up. We're getting to the point where it's going to cost over a trillion dollars just to pay the debt service on the debt. That trillion dollars then comes out of what Congress has available in its discretionary funds to spend which means it becomes harder to build roads. It becomes harder to upgrade infrastructure. It becomes harder to provide student loans and and education grants and things like that from the federal government. And given the number of railroad disasters we've had just this week, it sounds like we have serious infrastructure problems if that's what's going on. I mean, these railroad calamities we've had. Either someone's sabotaging our railroad tracks and we're at war and don't know it with someone or the railroad companies don't have the money to invest, which is a problem, or the government has put in conditions that make it harder to upgrade our infrastructure, which is a problem. Any way you look at this, we have a major problem. We don't have to go straight to nefarious conspiracy theories, foreign power sabotaging our railroads to realize we have a massive problem. And also as interest rates do go up, it becomes harder and more costly to repair all of our infrastructure, including those things. This all sets in as Nikki Haley releases her video to announce she's running for president. Donald Trump is already in the race. Tim Scott's going to get in. Ron DeSantis is going to get in. And Joe Biden's going to head to re-election more likely than not now for certain in a recession. Good luck. So my kid has a queen-size bed. We've got a king-size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets and he's used them. He had like kid sheets and now he's... Old enough, he doesn't want the the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet, and the kid was in despair. We got him Bowling Branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer, and he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of and Branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness. my uh, Seriously, my kid, uh, He's suddenly like my sheets are for kids. I'm I'm grown up now, and uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had, and now he's like can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed and it fits. It doesn't like bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night. When you roll over, you can get 15% off your forced order. Bowling Branch sheets when you use promo code Eric at branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowling branch. B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, would be delighted to have you. Now we've got to move on to other important topics. I I, I do want to talk about the train derailment real quick because I, I, I got some thoughts on this Residents in Ohio, if you haven't heard about the East Palestine uh, train wreck, it was carrying hazardous chemicals, vinyl chloride. Uh, It's extremely flammable. And uh, there are people who fear what's happening. Uh, Chemical spilled into the water, dead fish, dead animals. This is one of those problems where the government has lost so much trust from people. The government is telling people near Youngstown, Ohio, that it is safe to go back. It is safe to return to East Palestine. Now, nobody believes them. Nobody believes them. People are uncomfortable using the water. There are dead animals dead fish, nobody believes the government when they say it's safe. This is why it is right for conspiracy theories. Because the government, which should be uh, generating truth and fact, the reality is the government uh, is so hell-bent on stamping out disinformation, the government spreads its own misinformation. There have also been several uh, train derailments. There's also one in Texas. A lot of people are like, why are we having all these train derailments all of a sudden? Is there an attack? Have we been attacked? Is, is there some terror element out there? How can you believe the government when they say No. This is the problem when everybody has their truth, my truth, your truth, everybody's got a truth. We don't know what the truth is. People get nervous. People get concerned. A a buddy of mine sent me this email. He says, if it's sabotage, someone's waging war on us and we're not ready for it. If it's industrial incompetence, we're collapsing in our own. I mean, we're collapsing in decay. Scorotic industries. Is it a system failure? If so, we're collapsing in with internal rot. We're fighting each other. Why are there so many train derailments in one week, that many significant train derailments? You know, there has been sabotage. It's true. There has been sabotage. Environmentalists have sabotaged a number of rail cars in the last year hauling oil. There have been prosecutions. It's gotten very little attention from the media. It has happened uh, in, I believe it was Arizona. It has happened in Washington State, Montana. Uh, environmentalists sabotaging rail lines that were hauling oil to try to put a stop to fossil fuels. Environmentalists did this, not rogue governments, not white nationalists, environmentalists. We don't know what happened here. But it clearly is ripe for sabotage. We've got a. South Carolina derailment, a Houston derail, Texas derailment, the Ohioan chemical and toxic release. But if not that, our infrastructure, we got infrastructure problems. Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg are out there touting their infrastructure spending, and yet we continue to have problems with our infrastructure. Makes you wonder what they're doing with the money. And granted, these are private businesses and we don't want subsidized rail, but what is going on that these things have happened to the extent they have happened. And we should note through all of it, the common thread is people, good people do not believe what the government is telling them anymore. The government's own trust has collapsed before our eyes, which makes everything more difficult. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number eight, seven, seven, nine, seven, three, seven, four, two, five. If you want to be on the program, uh, are you ready for your laugh of the day? This just in from Bloomberg News, our initial assessments here based on talking to civil authorities in the intelligence community is that we don't see anything that points right now to these being part of the PRC spy balloon program, or in fact, intelligence collection against the United States of any kind, says John Kirby. The latest balloon, not all of the balloons, some of the balloons were Chinese. But the latest ones, including the one on Friday that they blew up, appears to be part of some commercial business project. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Officials feel comfortable ruling out the objects belong to the U.S. government and appear to be tied to some commercial or benign purpose. They could be the Google. Uh, the, the Google was launching a series of balloons trying to beam down Wi-Fi to people. Uh, there are commercial entities that launch balloons all the time. There are school projects as well. Uh, the one in uh, fifty thousand foot or in forty thousand foot space does not appear to be um, Chinese in origin. They're not sure, but they appear to be private balloons, not publicly launched governmental entity launch balloons. So did we got a, did I, now I know people these days, it's all of one or all of the other. Uh, you, you do have to nuance to some degree here that yes, the original balloon and a couple of the others do appear to be Chinese, but most of the ones that we have now encountered appear to be for commercial business projects, and they're trying to figure out the owners. Geniuses. All right, we have to move on to the difficult topic the one that I was going to start the show until the inflation numbers came in with this. There has been another shooting in the country. This time at uh, in Michigan, Michigan State University. A 43-year-old, whose name I will not give, um, shot several people, killed several people, and then committed suicide. Uh, let me just play you the audio first. You know where this goes. This is Senator McMorrow. She's state senator, uh, Senate Democratic leader, leader of the state Senate in Michigan.
0: You know, on that, that, the second point we do. Um, we have been working especially on our, our red flag bill package that i've been working on since since i got elected in 2018 um, with law enforcement from both sides of the aisle uh, who know how powerful this is as a tool who know that they put themselves at risk when there are so many guns on the street so many people who
1: shouldn't have firearms there there is buy-in uh this is uh, governor gretchen whitmer of michigan
0: We know this is a uniquely American problem. Today is the fifth anniversary of the Parkland shooting. We're mere weeks past the Lunar New Year shooting at a dance hall, and a few months past a shooting at an elementary school in Uvalde.
1: And here is uh, Representative Slotkin.
0: I want to echo what the governor said about the response of law enforcement. Uh, Those of you who might have been listening on the scanner, You heard how deeply complex this operation was yesterday, with young people calling in tips constantly, with just an unbelievable, unbelievably difficult area of environment to navigate. Uh, Law enforcement did an incredible job. We had hundreds respond from across the state, Um, and I just I think it's a testament um, to those who hold the thin blue line for us, the ones that hesitate or do not hesitate. Um, when we need them, um, and I think we should recognize how desperately needed. They were last night, um, in, in our society in general. Um, I want to thank the doctors and nurses and staff at Sparrow hospital. They were on it. Um, no one wants to live through a mass shooting like this, but they were prepared and they handled it with grace and humanity.
1: There is a rush in modern American society now when bad things happen to decide if we just passed a law, we could solve the problem. State officials identified the 43-year-old shooter. He had been charged with multiple gun-related crimes in 2019. He was arrested in Lansing, Michigan, and charged in June of 2019 with carrying a concealed pistol without a concealed carry permit, according to Ingram County court records obtained Tuesday by the Detroit News. The initial charge was a felony that carried a potential penalty of five years in prison. At around 3 a.m. June 7, 2019, an officer uh, encountered the man in Lansing where the officer asked him if he had any weapons. He acknowledged he had a gun, but he didn't have a concealed weapons permit. He also had a magazine in his right breast pocket. He advised the handgun was registered to him. He bought it in late March at Capital Discount, currently trying to obtain a concealed carry permit. In October of 2019, prosecutors added a second charge, possession of a loaded firearm in a vehicle, a misdemeanor. He pled guilty to the lesser misdemeanor charge, and prosecutors dismissed the felony charge. We have received numerous requests on this matter and are working to respond to these accurately. He was sentenced in November 2019 to 12 months probation. In October 2020, six additional months were added to his probation. The addition was meant to allow him to complete the term of the probation order. His probation concluded in May of 2021. He was barred from having a weapon of any type during the term of his probation. But he was charged with a felony and it was reduced. This is becoming a common theme for all the people who say we are not we are too tough on crime. We've had a series of shootings in this country now by people who should not have purchased weapons, but for the fact that they were undercharged with crimes so that they were not charged with felonies or they were were treated as first offenders and the record expunged once they treated their probation. And so everyone says, let's have more laws. Let's have more laws. We need more laws. Look, if your state wants to pass a red flag law, pass a red flag law. Michigan, pass a red flag law if you think it's necessary. But will it really do you good against someone like this? Will it do more harm than good? The Parkland shooting is a horrific tragedy. So too is the Newtown, Connecticut, Shooting at Sandy Hook. The shooting at Uvalde Elementary School, they're, they're horrible. Short of banning guns, what law would have stopped them? In Newtown, he murdered his mother and stole her guns. In the shooting at the church in Texas, the man was dishonorably discharged from the Air Force, and it should have been put into the record to prevent him from buying a gun, and the government screwed that up. In rare circumstances, is there a situation where someone lawfully went out and bought the gun and committed the crime? Usually they've stolen the gun, they've done something, or uh, there's been some government screw-up. So we pass more laws. You know, we we passed the assault weapons ban in the early 1990s. And Columbine happened. They used shotguns and handguns. No one wants to ban handguns. Most gun violence in this country is from handguns. I don't know what this shooter used, but are you going to ban handguns? Because there are a lot of handguns out there. And for the longest time, most people on the left said no. And what they always say, what is very typical here, is that most people support gun control. Most people support gun control. Polls show most Americans want gun control. And then you ask them the individual items of gun control, and guess what? Very few people actually want it. Yes, everyone wants gun control. I want gun control. I, I myself, Eric Erickson, would like gun control. I would like people to go to gun ranges with professionals and learn to control their guns. I want gun control. You want gun control. But what do you want? Do you want a ban on handguns? Do you want them so you, you can only shoot one bullet at a time? What, what do you actually want? What can get a majority opinion that they, they, they blame all the time. The Republicans that they were blasting them on MSNBC. This weren't other oh, Republicans always stopped the gun control legislation. Well, you got to get the votes. You got to get the votes. And they hadn't been able to get the votes. They haven't been able to get the votes because every American says they want gun control. And then you ask each American what they mean by gun control, and everyone has a different opinion. But by and large, most Americans don't want to ban guns. In fact, more and more Americans are buying guns because they know since you've defunded the police, the government isn't going to come protect you. You've got to protect yourself. And you could say, oh, but we didn't defund the police. We didn't defund the police. You decapitated police officials around the country, metaphorically speaking. You upended bureaucracies. You made it more difficult for the police to do their job. You made them tread more cautiously. You've made them worry about themselves, and they haven't been policing. They haven't been keeping people safe. You've had to keep yourself safe. And the reality is when the bad guy comes to your door and you call 911, you're going to be dead before 911 gets there unless you've got a gun. And people realize this now. It's a terrible situation. But for all the people, including Gretchen Whitmer, who say, well, this happens, this is a uniquely American phenomenon. Yes, it is. We uniquely have a Second Amendment. And for years and years and years, gun control advocates have been pushing a solution of saying, hey, we should get rid of guns in this country. Well, you're not going to repeal the Second Amendment. Why is everyone in this country who is opposed to gun ownership so committed to doing the policies done in countries that don't have a Second Amendment? Why don't you think differently? You can cite Australia, you can cite Scotland, you can cite Canada, you can cite New Zealand. They do not have a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. So yes, they could do mandatory buybacks. Yes, they could round up all the guns. Yes, they could punish people. In this country, we have a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. You can find it in the actual constitution unlike the supposed abortion right. So maybe we have to think differently. Maybe we have to think differently. No one likes to think differently, particularly on something like this. But what law? If you're not going to ban guns, you can't ban guns constitutionally. It would take two-thirds votes of the House, the Senate, and three-quarters of the states to ban guns. So what are you going to do? What law are you going to pass? How did this person get the gun? Why don't we start there? Why don't we start with how did he get his gun? Given the circumstances, given the background, how did he get his gun? I'll tell you one of the solutions that would have stopped several, not all, but several of the shootings, the one progressives won't like. Stop going soft on crime. Throw the book at every criminal. That would have stopped several of these situations. Like the guy on the subway in New York city who prosecutors refused to, they they let him go. They didn't charge him. He was accused of a crime and, and they just decided not to prosecute him. And then he shot up people on a, on a subway. Had they actually prosecuted him? Had they actually charged him with a felony? Had they put him in jail? That would not have happened. This guy had they charged him with a felony instead of a misdemeanor and prosecuted him for what he did. This wouldn't have happened. Had the U.S. Air Force done its job, that church shooting in Texas would have never happened. Maybe instead of writing new laws, let's just begin by enforcing the current laws and then go from there. Now, we got to move on to more pleasant topics. Uh, I want to talk before we do about Advantage Gold. I've gotten some emails from some people inquiring, uh, in particular, asking me specifically, why them? Why Advantage Gold? They are TrustLink's number one highest-rated gold company for the last seven years. That, that's, that's one reason why. Another reason why is because, I will be very honest, I have been skeptical of gold as a as a part of my investment portfolio when i was a kid i loved gold we like i lived in dubai you know and we had little gold coins that we could collect and i still have some and they're 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 worth money but i just never got my answers answered satisfactorily about using gold in a 401k or an ira or a general investment strategy and advantage gold did that uh and it was not gimmicky i didn't feel like they were putting a hard sell on me uh, they just, they answered my questions and they showed me the options. Uh, I, you can get a free gold IRA investment kit from them if you want. But I would just recommend if you're curious at all, and I was curious, talk to them and see how they can educate you on using gold as part of your investment strategy. The phone number is 800-450-2566, 800-450-2566. They will talk to you about IRAs and 401ks. They'll talk to you about in general investment strategy. Uh, they can talk to you about how gold can be used as a hedge against inflation and volatility in the stock market. Um, and they'll give you the pros and the cons as well uh, because it's not all perfect. There are some trade offs that you have to make, but generally, you listen to the trade off, you're like, this is a pretty good deal. Um, I, this is why I like them, in all honesty, in addition to having a great reputation and having the best people, having the best prices. They're actually willing to answer your questions and they're not going to give you the standard BS answers. Uh, They're just straight shooters. They know people are interested in this. They want to give you straight, honest, sound advice. This is what they do for a living. They're not trying to sell you. And in fact, that what makes them so good is they're not trying to sell you on this and they're giving you straight answers, which actually gives you the path forward to be able to use precious metals as part of your retirement portfolio, particularly how to use gold in, in your retirement planning they give you all of that and it's just they're straightforward they're honest they're good 800-450-2566 800-450-2566 welcome back it is eric erickson here subscribe to the daily email you can text data to 33777 importantly uh, my piece today, I hope you'll read it. I've talked a little bit about it on the radio. I, I even I admit I, I fall into the the conversation about lanes, lanes of politicians, which politician flows into which lane and the like. And I, I I don't like it, but it 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 helps the conversation along to remind you that that everyone runs in a particular way, not everybody runs in the same way, and people find their own path. sometimes they carve it out. Sometimes they they take one, like there are going to be the the moderates. There will be fiscal conservatives. There will be social conservatives. There'll be foreign policy, domestic policy and the like, and, and people jump into them. But what's really key is voters and donors, constituencies, natural constituencies. Nikki Haley is going to launch her campaign tomorrow. She's released her video. Uh, we edited up some of the audio to play for you when we come back. But what is her natural constituency? If it's South Carolina voters, does she fight with Tim Scott over them? If it's women, if Christy Noem gets in the race, does she fight with Christy Noem? How does she build out her coalition? And she, if she has donors, how does she translate the donor dollars into voters' votes? Do we have to worry about a Jeb Bush situation with one of these candidates? Not necessarily her, but one of them. Bush spent more money per vote in 2016 than anyone except Ben Carson, and he was out pretty quick, Uh, never won a state, but he had more money lined up behind him than all the other candidates combined. Uh, Will we head into something like that? We'll talk about those things, and I'll take your phone calls when we come back.